Good morning. Hello. This is Pastor Jen. Welcome to Thursday Connect Online. I am so excited to share from the book of Isaiah today from our amazing book study called Be Comforted, studying the book of Isaiah from Warren Wiebe. Great book. We are studying the book of Isaiah. Let me know that you're there. Tell me where you're watching from this morning. Um, it's a sunny day in Rome, Italy, and we've kind of been sandwiched in between the rainy days. So uh, we praise God for a sunny day and we thank him for what he's doing. I want to welcome you to Thursday Connect Online and let you know that today as we study Isaiah and for those who follow um, in the coming minutes and hours, it will be wonderful what God is doing. And I'm just double checking uh, some notes here. Hallelujah. Welcome. Come on, tell me who you are. I'm watching from, so I'm not alone. This is an interactive. Hi, Lori. Yay. Buongiorno. Come back, mi amici. Thanks for joining today. My paisano. It's so good to see you. Um, and so the chats are really important because it helps us while this is a very interactive thing that we're doing. And so we want you to feel free. Let me know. I see you're, I see you're up there. So let me know where you are. Hi, Michelle. This is awesome. This is truly an International Thursday Connect online. And we are studying Isaiah, the book of Be Comforted. Um, so we praise God for all that he's doing. Hi, Boriana. Glad you're joining us. We are just rejoicing in what the Lord is doing. We praise him for answering prayers. Amen. 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 Yes, God is doing so many amazing things. I have to tell you that last night we had Wednesday Hour of Power prayer meeting. Already this morning, I had a couple different messages about how the Lord spoke and encouraged someone to believe for their healing, believe for their child's healing. We also prayed for the generations. And two of my little granddaughters sent me a video that they were at their church last night and they came out declaring the memory verse and the word of the Lord. And um, so as we're praying for the generations, God is healing our children and inspiring them in the word of God and reminding all of us to let our faith light shine for each other. So um, I praise God for that. I was also have the opportunity to do some mentoring and sharing with different ones. And the Lord just impressed on me that whatever you're doing, Barb, Michelle, Lori, Oriana, Mary, um, Mary Dimitri, I know she's maybe traveling, but she'll watch this later. Um, we're holding the rope. So can you type that in? Hold the rope. I'm holding the rope for someone else. So don't quit. Persevere. We see in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was holding the rope, not only for his time period, but in the prophecies that would come to pass later. One of the things that I love about studying the book of Isaiah and this, this uh, whole session is that you can type it in, predicted and fulfilled. So we're holding the rope so that someone else will believe the predictions and the prophecies of what God has promised, that it will be fulfilled. He said, I will heal you. And many of us have experienced the healing supernatural power of God. He has said, I'll be with you and you don't have to be afraid. And many of us have experienced the courage and the confidence of God. So we praise him that in Isaiah, we see prophecies, predicted. In the New Testament, we see those prophecies fulfilled. And then we see in the New Testament, new prophecies, new predictions. And in our day, <laughs> we are seeing some of those things fulfilled. And we don't have to worry or fret over what God is doing because we are holding the rope for someone else. Good morning, Nana. Happy to see you. Hi, Mary. We we see God. Mary, Mary Davina, God promised you that he would fulfill his plans for your life and you're back to study in the university. 
Hallelujah. We praise God for that. Can't wait to see you and give you an elbow greeting. So I want us just to pray this morning. We're going to start with, I have a question for you from chapter one, page um, 25, if you're looking at it, and then we'll go into chapter two. But Lord, I just ask you right now, as we look at Isaiah's life and the way that you inspired him through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to identify issues in his land and in his nations and in the world, but he also identified the hope and the answer for what would solve the issues. And God, we're holding the rope for someone else. We can identify those problems, but we've been called to give hope. We're holding the rope to give hope. And so, Lord, today I pray that each of us would find our purpose in holding the rope and in giving hope to someone else. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that, Lord God. Hallelujah. So as we look at page 25, here's one of the questions from chapter 1. It says, which of Isaiah's four words, warning, promise, hope, and salvation. Might God most want you to hear right now or speaks to you right now? So, and then the answer is why? Warning, promise, hope, or salvation? Why that one? Hi, Joanne. So I'll give you mine and then you type yours in so we can chat and talk about it together. One of Isaiah's words, warning, really speaks to me. And why is because his nation was in turmoil. People were becoming godless. And um, we recognize that the word of God is timeless, seamless. It applies to every generation, every season of our lives. And the Lord just reminded me, don't ignore the warnings of becoming godless or tolerating things that are not biblical not valuable, not the biblical values. And the reason why I think that's so important is because there's a lot of good things on the internet. I hope this is more than a good thing today, though. I hope it's a God thing. And I think that we have to have a lot of discernment between what is good and what is godly, what is um, practical, but what is biblical and to make sure that the biblical is where we base our philosophy of life from, um, that we don't look at what worldly global philosophers say, but we look at what God says, what his prophets like Isaiah said. So what is something that you see? What is, a warrant, one of these words, why it speaks to you for now and, and explain it. Warning, promise, hope, or salvation. I'll give you a minute to type it in. What's one of the words that speaks to you? Warning, promise, hope, or salvation? For me, it was warning. Don't leave me hanging here. Warning, promise, hope, or salvation. I'm sure you'll type it in in a minute. Okay. We're going to go on over uh, as we start chapter two, which is page 27. One of the things, uh, let me just make sure I'm on. Okay. If you're watching with me, make sure I'm on. I'm just going to. Um, if you need to text me or something, please let me know. Please do that for me. Yes, Eunicia, hi, thank you, salvation, because that speaks to you, wonderful. There we go, discernment, yes, hope, amen, we know who holds the future, warning. Yes, Michelle, promise, because no matter what we go through, Michelle's um, had some surgery and some things, so Mary, the promise of God speaks to you. That's awesome. That's so good. I can just imagine us sitting around the table. I actually have my Miss J coffee cup today, only I got hot tea in there. 
And when we reflect on the word of God, we remember these things. These are so important. You know, one of the things we learned from chapter one on Isaiah is that Isaiah loved his nation. Yes, Nana, I love Habakkuk too. Also, that's awesome. Um, great, thanks. Uh, uh, he loved his nation. And I think that's really important because so many times, you know, for my friends that are in America, America's going through some very divisive, difficult, difficult days right now with lots of different things happening and an election coming up. But we must love our nation. God has placed each of us. If the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord and you have invited Jesus into your life, and you are living in that right standing with God, then you have to know that right where you are today is where God has ordered your steps to be. So if you are from another country like me, and you live in a different country like Italy, then I am to love my country. Now, there's a lot of things we love. We love the pizza. We love the pasta. So here's something we can do in the chat. If you were in Italy, even my friends who are in America, what, and my friends who are in Italy, what do you love about Rome? What do you love about Italy? I love the fresh fruit and markets. And I also do love lemon gelato. So what do you love about Italy or Italian food? A lot of times we'll go around the room when we're together and say, my name is, I'm from, and my favorite gelato. What do you love about Italy? Because Isaiah loved his nation. And he was not only giving them a warning and, and something predicted and fulfilled, but he was giving them hope. And so if I'm going to give somebody hope, I better put a smile on my face and embrace the cappuccino. Oh, I love, there's no place with better cappuccino than Italy in my book. Sorry. It's just absolutely the best. So what do you love about Italy? What do you love about your nation, where you live? I will tell you that in America, what I love is Taco Tuesday, and I do miss Taco Tuesday, and I miss peanut butter in America, but uh, yes, the building's beautiful with history in Italy, that's so true, Michelle, maybe one day you'll come to see me, that would be awesome, Michelle's been one of my Braveheart girls for a very long time, um, something else that Isaiah loved about his nation, or that he loved about God, was that he trusted God. He was courageous, and he was boldly declaring God's word. He was proclaiming God's truth with love. So when we love something about our nation and where we are, it makes our message easier to give to someone else. <laughs> Boriana says, I love the parks and coffee and that people are very calm. That is so funny, Boriana, because I don't know if I would describe Italians as calm. However, I will say this, Italians can be very demonstrative and emotional, but they can also really saunter and relax with their family. That's so true. And I have learned to do that uh, a little bit. And so we praise God for that. That's so funny. Isn't that awesome how we each love something different <laughs> about our country? So let's look at chapter two. Started with wanted, a prophet. This is Isaiah 1 through 6. Now, just to give you an idea, in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5, Isaiah chapter 4 Verse 5, yes, Nana loves the diversity of culture. Hi, Mary, bonjour, tutti. <laughs> Nana says you can be in Asia and America at the same time in Italy. That's awesome. I love it. Okay, so listen to Isaiah 4, verse 5. Hi, Barb. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over all those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. And over all the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of day and a refuge and a hiding place from the storm and rain. You know, in this day and age of COVID, when the church has had to become online like this so that we could gather together, 
And when we haven't been able to be in a building, all of us as Christians have got to remember we are the church. So remember, we're talking about Isaiah. We're talking about prophecies being predicted and fulfilled. And we're talking about bringing a message of hope. So here Isaiah says, this Ark of the Covenant, this, this um, uh, branch of the Lord, he's saying, it will be called holy and all who are recording there. The Lord will wash away all the filth. He will cleanse the bloodstains. And he will create over Mount Zion and those who assemble a cloud of smoke and a glory of canopy. It will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of day. Mary, type that in. A shelter and a shade from the heat of day. Nana, type this one in. A hiding place from the storm and the rain. That's in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. As a Christian, as a temple of God, I hope that my words will be a hiding place in the days of rain. That if someone comes to me with a need, a concern, that they will find that place of shelter in my presence, in the prayers that we take into the presence of God. And it will be, we will see the glory of God. You know, Sunday, you do not want to miss Sunday at ICF Rome. We are finishing our series on faith moves our prayers and prayers that shake heaven. And in that place, we are declaring that it will be a shelter and a shade in the heat of the day. It will be a refuge from the storm and the rain. And we will release the power and the glory of God upon all of our lives, those who are on campus and online. That is what the church is supposed to do. So we praise God. Hi, G. Hi, G. We're glad that you're with us. So as we look at chapter 2, page 27, here's what it says about the prophets like Isaiah. They diagnose the case, so we have to look and acknowledge the truth. They prescribe a remedy, and they warn the patient what will happen if the prescription is ignored. For example, in Jeremiah 6.14 and Jeremiah 8.11, because Jeremiah was also a prophet. Isaiah, Jeremiah, okay? They diagnose the case. They prescribe a remedy. Wow. I want you to think about this. So many times in our world, we're all quick to diagnose the problem. I can have my opinion and say, this is what the problem is. And if people would just stop doing that. But this is saying they prescribe a remedy. And they warn what will happen if the prescription is ignored. We have to acknowledge that when we ask God to do something in our lives, we're a part of the answer to the prayer we pray. I'm asking God to give me peace, but if I'm watching turmoil all the time on social media or on the internet, then I'm contributing to a lack of peace. Do you understand? If I say, God, I my stomach is all messed up, but all I do is eat junk, I have to stop eating junk so that my stomach will get healthy. And there are parts that then God takes that are miraculous, that are divine intervention, for sure. But so when we look at who is this prophet Isaiah, when prophets declare a vision of the future, very important, they do it to encourage people to obey God today. Peter stated that this principle, when he wrote, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? From 2 Peter 3.11. A lot of people want to say they have the gift of prophecy and they want to declare these, you know, warnings to the world or whatever. You know, the Bible says no man can know the day or the hour. Only God can do that. So a prophet is not God. A prophet should be godly and a prophet should hear from God, but a prophet is not equal to the word of God. God's word never is in the shadow of a human being's voice. God's word supersedes it all. His word is true. It's been true for 2000 years. It's been true through thousands of translations. And so when we hear prophecy and prophet, we need to be careful that we're measuring it. I'm referring to my, my Bible sitting right here that I love, my study Bible, because I never want to hear the word of a man over the word of the Lord. And the word of the prophet is given to encourage the people. 
So unlike Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Isaiah did not begin his book with an account of his call to the ministry. He didn't give that until chapter six. Instead, he started with a probing examination of the situation in Judah, and he gave a passionate plea for God's people to return to the Lord. So it's such a parallel to what we see in our world today. And you know, what's amazing to me is this book was written in 1992 that we're studying right now. So you see what was happening in Isaiah's day, turmoil among the nations, turbulence, godless people doing godless things. And then when he writes the book, analyzing the prophet Isaiah in 1992, and he says, as you read this, note how closely it parallels our situation today in the Western world. And now here we are in 2020 saying, you know what? Our nations are in turmoil. There is injustice all around. There is tragedy. My mother used to say two wrongs don't make a right. So just because one wrong was done to someone for others to do another wrong, that is not God's way. And I don't want to get into politics, but I want you to hear me. Two wrongs don't make a right. So when one wrong, wrong, one injustice is done, it doesn't make it right for someone else to do another wrong and another injustice. The killing must stop. The, the, the faulty news and media is, is not healthy for any of us. But it's not new. It's not new. Isaiah wrote in the scrolls. This man published in a book in 1992. And here we are online talking about the same thing. God's word is relevant. You can type that in. What we learn from Isaiah is that the word of God, the Bible, is relevant today. God's word is relevant today. Here's what Isaiah saw in chapter 1. It describes a courtroom scene. God convenes the court and states the charges. He presents his case and pronounces the nation guilty. He gives the accused the opportunity to repent and be forgiven. So when we look in verses 16 through 31 in chapter 1, how did God describe his people? How did God describe his sinful people? What do we have to acknowledge so that we don't let those same patterns repeat? Thank you for that. God's word is relevant. Thank you for that. Amen. He said in verse 2 and 4, they were rebellious children who do not have as much devotion to God as an animal does to their master. Wow. You know, a little puppy, a little dog, a little kitty is just right there with its master. But God's children don't have as much devotion to God as an animal does to their master. I don't ever want that to be said of me. God, I am devoted to you. I love you. I worship you. Can we just take a minute? Will you do that right now? Just say, God, I'm devoted to you. Forgive me if my heart has not been solely devoted and loving to you. You are the master of my life. We want to be devoted to you. This word rebel, where we see rebellion, it talks about the idea of breaking a contract. So at Sinai, Israel entered into a solemn covenant with Jehovah in the book of Exodus. Okay? But then... They broke that contract with God through belief and idolatry. They did not appreciate what God had done for them, and they took their blessings for granted. Today, if you are able to watch this, that's a blessing that we can connect. It's a blessing for me. We're holding the rope to give hope. Today, if you have a job, that's a blessing. Today, if you don't have a job, but you have a good brain and you have a resume, you have a CV, you are blessed and highly favored. Uh, we praise God for his blessings. We don't want to ever underestimate his blessings in our life. What do you think? Boriana? Yes, Nana, you're devoted. How, how is this speaking to us about the turmoil in our nations today and the rebellion of the children in Isaiah's day? 
what do, what do, what do we learn? What do we learn from what they were doing in, in God was bringing it to their attention? What can we learn from that? Well, if you just forsake the blessing, if you just begin to take things for granted, yes, Boriana, we are blessed and highly favored. Um, you're going to go backwards instead of forwards. And one wrong leads to another wrong leads to another wrong until the world is corrupt and divided and fighting one another. God wants us to be united. To And you know what unites is peace, love, Jesus. Jesus unites us. So from the human point of view, though, we can see that the nation was prospering. But from God's point of view, the nation was a wretched victim who had been beaten from head to foot, left to die from Isaiah chapter one. The wounds had become infected and the body was diseased and nobody was doing anything to help. In spite of the optimism of Judah's leaders, the nation was morally and spiritually sick. So a nation, a nation can have a lot of things. A nation can have, people can be at work. People can be helping. Yes, Mary, we are blessed to build each other in faith. But if we're morally sick, if we're spiritually sick, if we're not dependent on God, things happen that aren't good. And so as we come back, you know, I have seen, yes, Sampath, we will pray with you that God will help you to depend on him in blessing, in, in spiritual sowing, and during the reaping time that we will trust the Lord. In verses 7 through 9, it says the people would not let God manage the land according to his law. So God turned Judah over to foreigners and permitted his people to suffer, Deuteronomy 28, 15. Somebody, Mary Davina, can you maybe type in what Deuteronomy in English, what Deuteronomy or Boreana, what does Deuteronomy 28, 15 say? I put it in my notes to read it, but I don't have it here right in front of me. What a shock to the people when they compared the holy city of Jerusalem to the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in Isaiah chapter 3 and also from Genesis 18. What did the leaders think when Isaiah said only a small remnant will survive? Yes, Boriana, that we have to depend on God always. If God promised Abraham that the nation would multiply like the dust of the earth and the stars of the heaven in Genesis chapter 13, the doctrine of the remnant is important in the message of the prophets. We see it in Isaiah chapter 6, chapter 10, chapter 11. We see it in Jeremiah chapter 6, 23, 31. We see it in Micah chapter 2. We see it in Zechariah chapter 8. Paul also referred to it in Romans chapter 9, verse 27. So listen, in spite of the apostasy of the nation, a remnant of believers will be spared so that God's work will be accomplished through the Jewish nation. You know, when God spares us, so that we can see God's hand upon Israel because it's biblical. It, it's not, again, I, I think we said it last week. Um, yes, be careful to judge things so that God judges us from our heart, what we're doing. And he wants us to be the remnant of believers that stand on biblical values. So God said he would bring a savior. He would bring a Messiah and he did it. He predicted it and he fulfilled it. And God is faithful to do that in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So here is what we learned though about these rebellious people. Because remember, we're, when we sit at this table of Thursday Connect, we have to really examine ourselves. It says the disgusting thing about this religious people was that they were, or this rebellious people, was that they were religious. They were rebellious and religious. Lord, I do not want to be a rebellious, religious person. I want to be a Christ follower. 
I do not want to be religious and rebellious. I want to be a Christ follower that holds the rope to give hope to the nations ahead. Their hearts were far from God and their worship had become hypocritical. Sacrifices alone can never please God for along with the outward observance of worship, God is calling for an inward obedience. Let me say that again. This is from the book. You can see it where I marked it. Uh, right there. See it? <laughs> Along with an outward observance, we must have an inward obedience. So I can worship God. I can praise God. But if inside I'm not evaluating and trusting the Lord, um, I need to be so careful for what God is saying in my life that I don't become that religious person. 1 Samuel 15, 22 talks about that inward obedience. Psalm 51, 17. Yes, Barb, obedience is better than sacrifice. A broken heart, Psalm 51, 17. A broken heart. What does that mean? A heart that is open, not hard, but open to God. Um, in those broken places is where the Holy Spirit comes in. It's where he begins to heal and soothe. And even through our test, our testimony to someone else, just like Isaiah had a testimony that God would redeem. He had a promise and a hope for the future. In prayer, it talks about um, that in 1 Timothy 2.8, instead of lifting up holy hands in prayer, their, their hands were stained with the blood of their sins. So we have to make sure that we have an inward obedience. Yes, yes, Mary, God values faithful remnants. Abraham pleading with God to spare the people. We see it. Thank you, Boriana. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and you do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. This is what the scripture says in Deuteronomy, where it was saying that if we, we could have a, a prosperous land, but if we don't obey, our sacrifice to God in Psalm 51, 17 is a broken and contrite spirit that we must obey. So we must have that inward obedience. Maybe there's something that um, God is speaking to you about right now, about how in our world it's easy to judge others, but then we also have to remember how, you know, it's one of the questions. In fact, we're not going to get through all of chapter two um, today because there's so many powerful things. Um, but let's, let me ask this question. When there's so much... Uh, struggle in churches, in religious leaders, and um, people make mistakes and they do wrong things. How do we as the church, how do you as the church? Mm, I like it, Mary, that verse, 1 Timothy 2.8, therefore I want the men everywhere and the women to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing, very important. So I'm asking you this question from Isaiah. When we see the, the hypocrisy, when we see the religious mindset without the grace and the love of God, how do we as the church, how do you as the church, what do you share with someone else to show them that Jesus loves them? That how do you love people without loving their sin? How do we love people? without loving their sin? It's a question to ponder because Isaiah loved the people of God. He wanted that remnant of God. He wanted them to experience the promise of the Lord. And so um, these were important things that we see when he was talking about that inward obedience. So important, so important. You can read through page 29. I'm going on to page 30 in the book. And um, here's the thing. Isaiah didn't stop with the diagnosis, but he also gave the prescription because he wanted Judah to be the righteous people. 
The word translated reason in verse 18 from chapter 1 means to decide a case in court. Remember, Isaiah used a lot of word pictures. We see Jesus talking in parables in the New Testament because he wants us to put it into our human perspective. So I say hold the rope. It's not a literal rope, but it's a rope of, of life. It's a rope of friendship. It's a rope of hope. I'm holding that rope. So when he's talking about this case in court, he's not talking about pronouncing judgment. Our, our book says in, in on page 30, he's talking about the judge who would offer pardon, the judge who would wipe the slate clean if they would cleanse themselves by repenting and turning from their sin. So I asked the question, how do we love the person and not love the sin? Well, here's some of the cry of righteousness that, that Isaiah was not afraid. He was bold and strong and courageous. Yes, thank you, Mary. Isaiah 118, come now, let's settle the matter. So here's this judge saying, there's a matter before us. We have to reason it. But the Lord is saying, though your sins are red, I'm going to wash them white as snow. Though they were crimson, they will be like wool, which was soft. God is washing all of that away and keeping us soft and tender before him. But we still have to identify some of those things. So one of the ways that I love the person without loving the sin is I will encourage them. Read what God says about love. 1 Corinthians 13 which tells you what love is and what love isn't. Read the Ten Commandments. God's word is true from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Read the Beatitudes in Matthew because it will tell you that blessed are the pure, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So you see, I can point people to scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to convict them. But here's some things that we are doing here in this round table. Yes, Salome, it is with the wisdom that comes from heaven for sure. So some of the nations at some of the sins of the nations at that time in Isaiah that they needed to confess, he called out murder. He called out robbery in verse 21, called out murder, robbery, bribery, exploiting the helpless, not, not taking care of them in verse 23, worshiping idols, verse 29. You know, our idols might look different than they did back then. They may have had gold, bronze idols, and they worshiped them because they could say, oh, look at this big, beautiful gold thing I made. Maybe some of our idols are technology. Maybe some of our idols are um, appearance, the way we appear to others. Um, God wants us to depend on him and to not do these things. Because of their idols, they like the once faithful wife who was a harlot, because of their unjust practices, the silver had become like dross, which was nothing. The tragedy was that many of the worshipers in the temple participated in these things. What would God do if the people did not repent? You know, the scripture says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent, they will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I'm praying for my home country that they will repent and draw back to God. But I will tell you, in my home state of Michigan, I can't speak for other places, even though there's a lot of things about what's happening, even in Michigan, that I'm not in favor of. The, the, the house party has called for a day of prayer and fasting. In fact, I don't know if it's today or tomorrow. I believe it's this week. So why would I say that's wrong when those leaders of government are saying, we need to seek God. We need God in our state. We need God in our schools. Yesterday, my grandson sent me a picture. They were praying at flagpoles around their schools to say, God, help us in our school. Help me not to be a hypocrite, to trust today. Thank you, Barb. We are praying and when leaders of nations say we must call on God and pray, we shouldn't second guess that. It, you know, regardless of what you think about leaders, when they say they pledge on a Bible 
to uphold the truth and the liberty. When they hold a Bible in their hand and say, I am asking God to help me stand on the values in the word of God. I must not take that for granted. I must not judge that. I'm holding a Bible today and I'm saying, God, let me listen to Isaiah that I would not be religious, but that I would obey inwardly the things in the scripture that you are calling me to do because God's word is true from old to new, predicted and fulfilled. So here are some things I want to give us that we, we can look at in Yes, yes, I, I'm looking at some of your comments, Mary, uh, Michelle, that not the look what I have attitude, but that I look more like God. That's so true. So here's what Isaiah promised in chapter two. Remember already in chapter one, he's given him a warning, like you're rebelling. Don't do this. But in chapter two, he's promising them all the way to chapter four. And I'm on page 30 and 31 in our book. Three important phrases sum up Isaiah's second message and his proclamation. Remember, hold the rope of hope. Yes, Mary, we shine the light of God to them. We do what, yes, we do what, we do what Isaiah did, offer them the opportunity. I say to someone when they're telling me of their struggle, is there anything that you could, you want me to pray with you about? God will forgive you and redeem those things in your life. Last Sunday, we had 11 people repent and say, God, I want you to be in charge of my heart. Brand new people saying, God, I, I want to meet you for the first time. I want to live for you. I want to repent of the things in my heart. So here are, are three phrases that we gather from the book of Isaiah. The temple of the Lord. The prophet looked ahead to the time when God's righteous kingdom would be established and the temple would become the center for the worldwide worship of the Lord. Now listen, wherever you're watching from, yes, Nana, I will not be religious, but act in the character of God. So true. We are the temple of the Lord and we are to walk in the light of the Lord, it says in verse five. In light of the future glory of God's temple, Isaiah appealed to the people, walk in the light of the Lord. Christians today have a similar motivation as we await the return of Christ. It says it in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. So the temple of the Lord becomes the center for worshiping the Lord. Why do you think even with COVID and all the restrictions, the enemy thought he could silence God's people? The enemy thought he could silence the church. And the church has said, we're going to go online and worship together. We're going to do Thursday Connect online. Many of our churches in, in places where they have property, we don't have that kind of property in Italy with parking lots and that, but many of the churches that we know are worshiping outside in their parking lots or in their, in their parks near their community. You cannot silence the church. So church, we've got to rise up in strength and courage, proclaiming a message of hope. Don't see the problem without the solution. Don't see the problem without the solution. Don't judge a friend without offering repent. Don't ever judge. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. But offer them the hope of redemption and repentance in the Lord. So the temple of the Lord is what Isaiah is promising. That's encouraging to me today that the temple of the Lord, I am the temple of the Lord. We are the temple of the Lord. But even in the house of worship, we will be the light and the truth. That's why people are coming. That's why people are watching. That's why we have people today who will watch from South Sudan, from Kenya, from uh, India, from places where it's very remote and places where they got up early to join us. We are the temple of the Lord. Mm. Here's what it said. The nations would also lay down their weapons and stop warring. We must lay down our weapons and stop warring. The promises must not be spiritualized and applied to the church, for they describe a literal kingdom of righteousness and peace. The Jewish temple will be rebuilt, and the word of God will go forth from Jerusalem and help to govern the nations of the world. This is a prophecy 
in Isaiah. We see it in what God is doing in Jerusalem, even now. And we must not discount what is in the Holy Scripture. The second thing we see in the phrases of Isaiah from chapter 2 to verse 4 is the day of the Lord. From chapter 2, verse 6 to 3, verse 26. This is that period of time when God will send judgment to the nations, purify Israel in preparation for the coming of his king. The day of the Lord is described by John in Revelations chapter 6 through 19 by the prophets. See, this is what I love about scripture. The Bible is true. And you know why? We've seen a lot of things that are proven. I don't need God to prove himself to me. I trust him. That's what faith is. But we see that from one book, to another book, to another book, to another book from the Old Testament before Christ to the New Testament after Christ, we can see this thread of truth coming from God the Father to holy men, to holy people, to keep us on the right path. So when he talks about the day of the Lord, it's also found not only in the Old Testament in Isaiah, but it's found in Revelation 6 through 19, it's described by the prophets in Isaiah 13, Ezekiel 30, Joel chapter 1 verse 15, Zephaniah chapter 1, Zechariah chapter 14, by Jesus himself in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 21. There would be a time of terrible suffering where the environment would be devastated and people would die. It says in that day. Hmm. To the prophets, the day of the Lord was foreshadowed by events in their day. In the book of Isaiah, the Assyria's conquest of the northern kingdom. Why would God allow judgment to come to his people? You know, so many people blame God for the bad things that happen. But we live in a fallen world, number one. And number two, if you believe in good... You must also believe in bad. If you believe in the goodness of God, you must also believe in the evil of the enemy to destroy us. If you believe in success, you must also know that there is failure. And so when we understand this spectrum, then we can say, why would God judge and allow things to happen to his children? Because of their idolatry, because of their covetousness, because of their pride. Isaiah describes it in chapter 2. Why is this important for us today? So I'm asking you as we're looking at the day of the Lord and the temple of the Lord, why is looking at the sins of the people in Isaiah, in the study of Isaiah, why is that important for me today? Why is it important for you to see the things that God was calling out through Isaiah? They were adopting superstitions from the east. Here's something I want to say to you. The Ouija board, seances, tarot cards, anything that does not come from the word of God, that is not of God. I don't look to a human to tell me my future. I don't need you to find the lines on my hand to tell me my future. My life and my future is written in the hands of God and held in the hands of God. And he carries me. So Isaiah was calling out these superstitions and these religious seekers why is it important for us to see the sins in Isaiah's, in the book of Isaiah, the sins of the people? Because if we don't acknowledge that those things are wrong, we will become like those religious people, just practicing religious things instead of living in obedience to the Lord. How will God judge his people? He took away from them everything they were trusting in, including food, water, leaders, soldiers. The entire support system of the nation was disintegrated and there was no remedy. Nobody wanted to hold office. In Judah's male-dominated society, this would have been a humiliating calamity. The national leaders in Isaiah's day were charting a course outside of the will of God that would ultimately bring disaster. And we see that with good kings and bad kings. Good kings and bad kings. And you know what? We have to be careful because as we elect leaders, when they begin to call out the things that are wrong and they try to implement strategies to promote the life of the unborn child or to, to promote health and wholeness, we have to be careful because then here comes another one that wants to undo all of that. We see that happening 
in the Old Testament. But God is saying, I have a remnant of people that will facilitate the temple of the Lord and the day of the Lord. I will keep my children who have that inward obedience. Wow. God is long suffering as he watches his people do this to each other. These are, when it says his people, yes, Salome, so that we come back to him with all our heart. When we, that's why when I ask you, how do you love a person without loving their sin? Remember that person was created by God. They may not be living for God right now. They may not believing and following, having that inward obedience in God, but that I got to pray. I got to release the power of God. Yes, Mary, the beauty of God's word, that thread of truth. Amen, amen, amen. It's seamless, timeless. It's infinity. And God is long-suffering. But there will come a day when unbelieving sinners will be punished and God's people will share in the glory. Are you ready for that day? If you're not, we have to repent. We can't become self-righteous. We can't become religious and not inwardly reflective. I have to stay on the potter's wheel. It is a tool of the enemy. I, I'm doing a selfie right now to, to do this online connect with you. And I love to do a selfie to show you the, the testimony of something that's happening. And, and I like seeing the selfies of my grandkids. But you know what? We have to be careful that this self-centered mentality, it's all about me and if I succeed and what I feel and what I when I feel bad and when I feel good, but it isn't about me. My life is not about me. My life is about God and the eternal and making sure that not only do I make heaven, but the people that God has entrusted in my circle of influence, that I will hold the rope of hope from them. Yes, Michelle, right now with a young girl. You're pouring God's love into her. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. You're teaching her. She's going to be a Braveheart girl. She is going to have courage to walk away from the things that are destroying her life. And she is going to have the confidence in God that he has redeemed her life. Courage to walk away from sin and confidence in the redeeming power of God. Courage to walk away from sin and confidence in the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. We are the temple of God. The third phrase that I want to leave us with today, we've just got about eight minutes left. Um, and then I'm going to give you some things that, that Isaiah sings about. But it, on page 33, he also talked, so three phrases. He talked about the temple of the Lord. Isn't that an awesome promise? Nothing can stop the worship of the temple of the holy God. And that the day of the Lord is coming, there will be judgment. There is a sin that I must repent of. There is a hell to avoid because there is a heaven to gain. There is a savior and a redeemer because there is also a sleuth called Satan that wants to destroy me. And so I must understand the day of the Lord so that I live for him, so that I repent and I have that inward obedience and that I love others enough to hold the rope until they know the love of God in their lives, like Michelle is talking about. Awesome. The third thing is the branch of the Lord from chapter four, verse two through six. I love it. So the prophet looked beyond the day of the Lord. So it's not just the, the judgment. He looked beyond the day of the Lord to the time when the kingdom would be established. The branch of the Lord is a messianic, so like Messiah, messianic title for Jesus Christ, who it says will come as a shoot from the seemingly dead stump of David's dynasty in 11.1 in and 53.2. You can also see it in Jeremiah 23, chapter 33, and Zechariah 3, Zechariah 6. God will cleanse his people, Isaiah 4, 4, and Zechariah 12. He will restore the fruitfulness of the land and dwell with them as he did when he led them through the wilderness. Not just the temple, but every dwelling will be blessed by the presence of the Lord. Unlike in Isaiah's day, in that day, the people will be holy and set apart and the land will be beautiful and glorious. We should never encounter a person that we don't say to them, there are some things that I will be happy to pray with you about and to help you identify. But there is a blessed hope in the branch of the Lord that comes from the 
from the shoot of David, meaning that God declared it from the Old Testament, predicted and fulfilled. Amen? Predicted and fulfilled. And so when we study the book of Isaiah, last week, Mary Carey blessed me so much when we look at Isaiah. You know, there's 66 books in the Bible. And Mary brought to our attention that Isaiah is like a mini Bible because it's broken down into 66 chapters, 39 kind of like from the Old Testament and and 27, my math, 27 in the new, in the hope of Jesus and the prophecy of that. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Life isn't about us, but about others. It's the reason why Christ came, John 10, 10, Mary. So if you remember that life is about Jesus, life is about holding the rope of hope. That's what Isaiah was doing. He was calling it what it was. But he was declaring that there would be fruitfulness and the Lord would dwell with them like he did in the wilderness. Maybe you would type in the chat, has God ever dwelled with you in the wilderness? I can tell you that God dwelled with me in a very dark place for well over several years when one of my daughters was really suffering and struggling. It was a wilderness dry, dry experience. But God was with me, his presence, his promise, and his purpose. He wants to show us from Isaiah his presence in the temple of the Lord. The promise that the day of the Lord comes, but there is a blessed hope. And the purpose is the branch of the Lord, Jesus, his presence, his promise, and his purpose. Now, next week, we are going to study the rest of Isaiah of uh, this book, chapter 2, starting with page 33, 33 to page 39. And we're going to look at what Isaiah sang about in chapter 5. Okay? So there were some woes, some things that Isaiah was saying, you know, we don't want to do that. But then there were also some things that Isaiah was experiencing. Again, there's an acknowledgement of what's happening, but there's a promise of hope. Even when you, when you feel alone. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes, Michelle, we do feel like God gave up on us, but he did not. And God brought you out with victory. And I am so thankful to still be connected to you, Michelle Woods and Barb Gergenti. The presence, the promise, and the purpose is Jesus the presence of Jesus, the promise of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus in my life, that whatever I'm walking through, whatever dark valley, Michelle, whatever testimony become, whatever test becomes my testimony that I can share with someone else. I may not like it at the moment, but that's why we've said in this month in the prayer process, you pray with believing people. Isaiah was saying to the people, stick together. There will be a remnant of believers that we stick together and we will declare hope for each other. Hold the rope with hope in Jesus name. So Lord, I thank you for my friends and my sisters and brothers who join us on Thursday Connect. I thank you for those who will watch when they get their lunch break and they get off work later. I pray God for those who are in many different countries watching that they will know they're not alone. We are believing with you for your miracle, for your testimony. We are praying. Will you pray with me, God? We pray for the nations of the world. We pray that as believers, we will be the remnant of loving loving, God-fearing, God-obeying, Bible-obeying people. This is my Bible. I have my Bible on my phone, and I love my phone app, and I use it a lot because it switches language. But I want you to tell, I want to tell you, I've seen people when I've given them their first ever Bible, and they've held it so close because this, we're studying Isaiah because this is God's love letter to us. He's warning us. But he's also promising us a blessed hope, an eternal hope, that one day we will sit with him and we will not have the turmoil and the sickness and the discouragement. But in the meantime, even in the wilderness, there is a hope because we are the branch of the Lord. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would help us to hold the rope with hope, that we would know your, your promise, your presence and your purpose for our lives. 
I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I'm so happy to see you and have you commenting with me and feeling like we're really doing our roundtable of Thursday Connect. God is faithful. God is so faithful. I love you. If you are not, if you are in Rome, you need to register. Get to church. We've got a big announcement to make about new opportunities that God is doing. We're going to recognize and celebrate so many of our leaders who have been serving this past year in very unusual circumstances. But I am thankful to say that God has been faithful and that we hear testimony after testimony of how one shares her witness, his witness with someone else. So join us. We'll see you on Sunday. It is going to be amazing. God is with me in the wilderness, not just once, but always. Yes, Mary, Habakkuk 3. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you. Click that link in the chat. Register online. If you're not in Italy or in Rome, you can also join the classes. We have a Connect to Grow, a Connect to Serve, and a Connect to Lead, all giving great skills for life. It happens on our Sunday mornings early. We have a pre-service prayer class. Young adults are having a Friday night purity project conference tomorrow night at 7 p.m. online. You need to register. If you know a young adult who's seeking God for wisdom and direction, let them go and register so they can get the Zoom link to join. It's going to be a powerful time. As young adults are also saying, be careful of the warnings that you don't let the enemy sabotage your life and your destiny. But here's the promise of hope and a blessed future ahead. I love you. Have a fantastic week, and I'll see you in Rome on Sunday. Ciao, ciao.